It's Tennessee Titans talk. Down 24 to 9. The Titans come back and beat the Seahawks in Seattle. Landon, we'll start with you. Just initial reaction. Huge win. Well, it's just a tale of two halves because in our group chat we had going in the first half, I think the consensus among the four of us was that every single coordinator should be fired into the sun at halftime. And then the second half, literally every single facet of the game got way better. The offense started clicking, even though it was really just Derrick Henry being a monster. The defense actually looked good, legitimately good, outside of one drive. And special teams, we made the game-winning field goal. But just Derrick Henry, 41 touches, 237 yards, three touchdowns. He had about 180 yards in the second half. And just all the naysayers that, oh, he's had too many carries, oh, 2,000 yards, he's going to regress. Derrick Henry continues to prove the laws of physics wrong, just... That was one of his best games as a Titan. That certainly stood out to me and I think any Titans fan. Big fellow, is your heart rate down enough to be able to speak about this game? I don't think yet. I, I'm going to need a couple of days to come down. But, my God, just when I'm about to just throw everything away on this team, then they go and do something amazing like this. And, by the way, Landon, I'm still not backing off that our coordinators need to go. <laughs> this game was all was all gut and grit from the from the 11 on each side of the ball. Um, so I can't wait to jump into you, jump into it with you guys. But man, I was jumping out of my skin all afternoon. I mean, I think if uh, the folks listening at home are wondering why our energy isn't, Insane. you've listened to reaction shows before. Uh, I, I just, it's it, it was emotionally draining, right? It was very emotionally draining. I, I feel like I was in the game. <laughs> Any overtime game is inherently draining in of itself, but also just the dichotomy of the first half being so awful and. You're just hating yourself for sticking around. And then the second half, getting sucked back in. And even in the fourth quarter when we're down 14 and they score and you give hope and then that hope delivers, it's just the roller coaster of emotions can really just drag you down. So, John, a lot of things have to change for you to come back on the road, play so poorly, come back and win. Uh, but the top thing for you, I mean, what changed? How did we win this game? I think, number one, King Henry got pissed off, uh, and that's what we need to win our type of football games. And Tannehill, you know, we saw a lot more play action pass in the second half, and I think that's where Tannehill is at his best. You know, granted, a lot of the play actions look terrible. You weren't fooling anybody, but But it's just the the play design. That's that's, what we do, and that's how you take the wind out of their sails. And, you know, like Landon said earlier, our defense, they cranked up the pressure – I don't remember the last time, you know, we've ever sacked a quarterback multiple times, um, let alone Russell Wilson. So that was impressive. Yeah, Landon, he's saying that the biggest thing was we let the rest of the team put Derrick Henry in a position to be a factor down the stretch the way he is. And you said earlier to show, you know, what he still has, that he defies the odds of all. He doesn't have this in the tank left. Like when he comes down to it, when everybody's tired, he somehow, with all those carries and all those yards, was just beating people to death. Play action does seem, uh, watching which one, it seems like an easy answer, but it seems like it's absolutely essential. They have to commit to it for us to get in that rhythm. But Landon, the biggest thing for you, how did we come back and beat a good team in a crazy environment after looking so bad? What If there was one thing, there wasn't. If there was one thing, what was it? I'm torn between the run blocking and just the overall defense because... Despite losing Saffold in the second half, our run blocking actually got better. And it wasn't like 
in years past where we're just mauling guys off the line of scrimmage, Henry's going three yards before him being touched. But it was just Henry got to the line of scrimmage without having to juke two guys like in the first half, and that's really all it is. Just get him to the line of scrimmage, and you're good. Just do the bare minimum as an offensive lineman, and Derrick Henry is going to be the king. But on defense, outside of that, just horrific blown coverage on third and long, which I'm more scared of third and long than I am third and short. So just outside of one blown touchdown, the defense in the second half was lights out. The the Seahawks had three straight three and outs to end the game, not counting the drive with 25 seconds left where we just let them go to the middle of the field because they didn't have enough time. But three straight three and outs on the Seahawks Mm -hmm. with this defense. And then overtime, just Russell Wilson was flustered, and we almost had a game-winning sack, which I know John is still – I'm sure John is still heated about. (laughs) You bring up that Lockett touchdown. What's interesting is you – predicted that i don't know if you were being serious uh on our last podcast Lockett in the middle of the field gets behind everybody <laughs> runs for a touchdown oh, oh even worse that wasn't and, that wasn't Lockett. that was wide receiver three or four freddie swain just running in a straight line and Lockett, that first 51 yard bomb yeah, who's just that's what I mean. by himself yeah well, if that touchdown in the second half and you're right that was the only bad play really Materially bad play. Our defense did. They really locked down. What, they gave up 110 yards in the second half. Russell Wilson gets the ball back. You think he's going to do Russell Wilson things. He doesn't. The pressure. Uh, just unbelievable. They just – you see this when you watch sports. Uh, John, how does it work like when you're on a team like you play so bad and then all of a sudden something clicks? Like is it something like that the players can feel or do you just start executing? I always wondered that. Like – is it something you can feel on the field? Because like last week, I watched Vanderbilt be awful. They they went, lost to a lower division team. They were bad for a half. Then they come back and beat Colorado State. Tennessee did the exact same thing. Look awful for a game. Look awful for a half. Boom. I mean, right out of the gate, second half. Like, is that something palpable that the players can feel? Yeah, you can feel intensity. And I, I won't say that, you know, normally when I've ever felt something, it's like before you even take the field, you know you're going to win. And maybe they felt that, and that's why they never gave up. But I think you start to feel the flow of the game and the way that the Seahawks are playing in the second half, coupled by a bunch of, you know, kind of crazy penalties on their their part. You know, we saw DK Metcalf. He was making some dumb penalties, like holding penalties in the second half and then we saw the taunting penalty and you know things like that when you see a a team starting to beat themselves that's when you can kind of say all right you know whatever they're going to keep helping us we're going to do what we can to win and then you know henry's the kind of guy that just says give me the ball and you know i'm a winner and a winner want the winner wants the ball we played much better in the second half but there were a lot of big penalties that went our way um and there were some that didn't go our way but we were aided by penalties a lot landon Walk me through the non-safety safety. safety. I, I just wanted so badly to hear that from you when that all happened. Well, so it's it's actually a, a mess up by the refs on both ends. One, that was a really quick in-the-grass penalty call because, yeah, Russell Wilson is being spun around, but we saw with Mahomes in the Super Bowl, unless the guy's like wrapped up by multiple guys or one guy and he's being taken down, they generally let them play on because Russell Wilson, I give it like 50-50 chance he breaks out of that because – he spun around once. That's a very quick in the grass. But second, if you do call in the grass at that point, I'm really sure that he was in the end zone at that point. If he's in the grass, that's a safety. Because that's a that's a sack, technically, in the end zone. That's a safety. That should have been the game. And even if it weren't, and he chucked the ball, there it might have been an intentional grounding. So it was just the refs messed up on all ends. I think it was a quick in the grasp call. 
you could have argued for intentional grounding, which in the end zone would also have been a safety. So they just took the safe way out, said in the grass at the one. No one's happy. Titans fans think we should have won the game off of that. Seahawks fans think that was a bad call, but that was that was just one of two really bad calls that happened to not go our way. Procedurally, yes. On the other side of that, John, you and I couldn't say that any better or explain that any better. On the other side of that, Adonaye, mainly a special teams player. Um, coaching staff didn't get lucky there. They schemed that up. He, uh, after the game, Vrabel said, yeah, he has one or two things he can do. We're working him in. Uh, they saw an opportunity for him there. He comes through. I was impressed with uh, with a guy we haven't seen rush the passer. I was impressed with that pressure. Yeah. I mean, we got a lot of guys – you know, getting after him today. I feel like I, I felt like we had a very big presence from Tier Tart. He doesn't show up in the stat sheet, but I felt like he was all over the place getting pressure. Um, we were texting about Harold Landry and that this might have been his best game as a Titan. The guy's just he's he's literally replaced the Jarrell Casey motor and he just doesn't stop. Um, so I was really impressed with the way we got after the quarterback today. Danico Autry had one and a half sacks and tackle for loss. That's a guy who I just, you know, I mean, obviously we were hoping for production out of him, but I don't know what he was going to do. I just so. like the fact they're developing a pass rusher. Yeah, that, yeah. that makes me feel right. good. And we certainly landed. We get, even got good pressure in game one. As much of a disaster the game overall was. Got good pressure in the second half. You feeling better overall about this pass rush and how it could help us maybe – I mean, I said that if we won this game, week one would be ancient history. It is. Are you feeling like – we're heading in the way where we could have a pass rush to compete? I think so, and that's with Dupree not really looking well. He's had a few plays where he's gone on the edge, and he's he still hasn't gotten that kill shot because that's what he does best where the quarterback doesn't see him coming and he just crushes the guy. But Simmons, Autry, Landry have been really solid to start. I think it's just, like you said, Kyler Murray is just frustrating in the pocket, probably even more than Lamar Jackson because he's going to keep – the play live he's not going to scramble and run he's going to try and keep passing like i was watching red zone today like five times two vikings defenders had him in the pocket <laughs> and he just magicians himself out of the way and it's just he's just one of a kind and maybe it was just an aberration but we also the coaching stepped up in the second half we ran a lot more stunts i don't know if it's just because the interior of the seahawks offensive line wasn't that good but simmons created a sack on a stunt eleni on that almost safety was on a stunt just like we said coaching improved but the talent finally started to click derrick henry 35 carries 182 yards three touchdowns all in the second half (laughs) so we're we take this for granted our fan base does i don't because he he did start out a little slow in his career you never know about running backs but we're seeing a hall of famer i mean we're seeing Years later, we're seeing this kind of gutsy performance. He is our leader. He is our best player. We had some really good teams, big fella, 15, 20 years ago. No no Hall of Famers. I mean, we, not guys that were just, just Titans, right? We're seeing greatness. Oh, we're yeah. all going to be in Canton when he – I mean, we're, we just need – not every fan base gets that ever. I mean, it is just amazing to see what that guy can do. We're going to set him aside. He's going to get every game ball. That's just the nature of him. If you had a game ball to give, right? I mean, because otherwise we'd just be keep talking about Derrick Henry. We get it. I mean, the guy is an all-time great. I mean, he really is. I'm starting to really think that. I mean, the guy is incredible. After that happened, 2,000 miles away, 35 carries, five yards of carry, three touchdowns. I mean, 
I mean, come on. I mean, we're lucky to have him. He's an all-time great. I say all that to say this. Who, who does the game ball go to? Not Henry. I mean, who really stepped up in the second half? Who was absolutely essential in winning this game on the field? I've got two guys I want to call out. And, Landon, you may be taking one of these, so I'm just going to spit it out quick. The first one, Julio. He finally he finally makes noise as a Titan. Six catches, 128 yards. Had a touchdown, um, but it weirdly got called a non-touch, a non-catch, um, because he made an amazing play in the back of the end yeah. zone. Had both feet down. They said that because his toe, ta- his toe, his second foot, the toe was inbound, that his heel had to also be down. Most absurd thing I've ever yeah, heard. It's in my a life. really <laughs> weird rule, but by the letter of the law, yeah, that's t- right. that's correct. It's just really weird because. That scenario pretty much never happens because all the toe taps we generally think of are on the sideline to right. where it's, if it's only the toes, that's okay, which is, it's weird to think about. Like it's, if it's only the toes and you fall out of bounds, like your he- your elbow hits the right. sideline, that's okay. But right. if it's a full foot and a toe, but then the heel hits the back, that's not okay. It's just really weird because just physically that's not going to happen on the sidelines and it rarely right. happens in the end zone, but just a really unique officiating call that went against us and was really done. Right. But in hindsight, after a win, and I'm going to want to let you get back to it, John, but in yeah. hindsight, after a win, him off of injury, people question his age, getting in that position in the end zone, getting his feet down, just even being there literally at it so close, uh, it makes you think good things. Like this guy is ready to contribute to wins. This guy's ready to play whether they call it that time or not. Land a drop by a letter of the law, that's fine. But after winning this game, looking back, it's like, no, this guy is ready to go. Yeah, I agree. And wasn't he, even his best play. Yeah. That 51-yard bomb, yeah, that yeah. was it, I think. Yeah, just on the replay, just watching him just keep on chugging. And just yeah, He's oh, just, yeah. like, stomping past the two defenders. And finally, Todd Downing, where there's, like, nine <laughs> guys in the box, one safety on the right side. Julio is single-covered by some regular cornerback, play-action deep shot, just – why wouldn't – just – Finally, that happened, and look at that. It set up it well, set up what should have been a touchdown. And that's exactly right. what we talked about all preseason, all offseason. You know, when Henry's hot, they're going to have to double him. They can't double Julio and AJ. That's exactly so they got to pick happened. one. That's exactly how it worked. I mean, with the chips down, down multiple touchdowns, they still went through that. And you're right, that's going to be – especially if we can find a way to not be so behind in games. I mean, that right. is going to be – that's the whole point of bringing him in here. He looked ready to go. Uh, John, who's your other game ball? My other game ball, you guys might think it's crazy, but maybe you saw what I saw. Michael Pruitt. Yeah. He had three catches for 43 yards in three huge spots. Um, Even more than he looked like he had more to give. I mean, I got really excited watching him play today. I was like, holy crap, that's Delaney Walker, too. I mean, like, I was was pumped. I was ready to go buy a Michael Pruitt jersey. (laughs) But he he came up big, um, you know, a guy that we called up from the practice squad just uh, probably today. I was really impressed with what I saw from him. Well, he has my admiration. Anybody that can, like you said, I mean, he was on another team. Practice squad. He gets called on. I mean, that's you're not expecting that. He was ready. Mm -hmm. And he brought a ton of fire to the team because he and Jamal Adams, I texted this mid-second quarter when they got into their second scrap. I legit thought they were going to throw – they were going to actually fight on the field. And just Mm. we talked about it like when we upset the Ravens and Simmons was – Stepping on guys, which is kind of dirty, and 
when Butler would get in guys' faces all last year. You need that edge. You need a guy that's just going to oh, yeah. push the boundaries and get you fired up. And today that was that, that was Pruitt's game. And that's a game ball right there. Uh, he's not afraid of Jamal Adams. Guys mm. like that. No. I mean, like, that's a tough guy. But McCulver, what he's been through and what he's had to do to be an NFL player, he is not afraid to be hit by Jamal Adams. And you're right. You saw it on the field, big fella. And you have to have that – I think that's part of what I was asking earlier. Like, when do you feel like, oh, wait, we're going to do this? Yeah. And I feel like it might be stuff like that. Like, this guy was on the street. I mean, this guy was, uh, you know, just just working out with us. And this guy's on the field making it happen. I mean, I would be – I mean, it all rolls downhill from, from there. I don't care how far away you are from home. Incredible. So, yeah, well, I mean, you look him on yeah. the box score and he had a contribution. And you watch that game, he did even more than the – three receptions, 43 yards, and, and, and that's enough. I've got an interesting theory on him, too. I mean, like, this is a guy that we relied on last year, and right. then he left in free agency to the Niners, literally mm-hmm. got cut, so we claim him back. This is his opportunity to be like, wow, like, this is my last shot, maybe, potentially. You oh, know, I yeah. got cut from a team, and then he comes on and steps up big, so maybe we are seeing the evolution of Michael Pruitt into a tight end one. I, I don't want to overreact, well. but... All that matters is is he's there when we need him, and uh, that that was enough today. That was incredible. Uh, What we've got on the outside, we just need a guy that we can rely on. Um, Landon, who's your game ball go to? Christian Fulton, because I think DK Metcalf might have been a bit banged up at some point, but for for the other half of what was expected to just be a game-breaking deep threat to punish our defense, DK Metcalf didn't really do anything. Like He didn't really have any – all of his stuff was short, run after the catch where we ganged up on him. Fulton was in on him a lot. He drew a couple. He drew a penalty or two, and just DK Metcalf. I think he had five catches, forty-five yards, all yeah, underneath. He, he was that's, six for fifty-three on eleven targets. Yeah, that's pretty much taking him out of the game for yeah. a guy of his stature and for how he gets down the field. And Fulton was great last week, and it's just he's shown the potential of being able to match up with the bigger, freaky athletes on the outside. So I think he might have been one of the two DBs along with Bayard. That gave up that last long touchdown, the miscommunication, so that's a knock on him. But other than that, his man coverage was outstanding. We pretty much held in check one of the Seahawks' two-star receivers. That's a big reason why they scored 30, and that was only on two busted plays and a drive that started at, at, at our own five-yard line. Oh, yeah. Big fella, I know you love um, uh, analogies for other sports. I mean, for, but honestly – Tyler Lockett is awesome. He's underrated even. Um, but, I mean, he goes for 178 yards. But that's like letting Pippen score 35, So, but Jordan scores 18. I mean, you're going to win. <laughs> and that's what happened. I mean, we're talking about Metcalf is just such a beast. Landon said it so well just then. Six receptions, 53 yards, 8.8. Yes, you're probably going to beat the Seahawks when you do that. I don't care what else the other guy does. Incredible. Incredible to do that. He's so physically imposing. He's so just highly skilled. I mean, that's a win. Although he did, he was playing with a pacifier in his mouth the whole time. I just want to point that out. Yeah, I, I wanted. To, <laughs> I, I asked you guys and never responded, but his mouthpiece was had a really questionable design. Not just like <laughs> the coloring, but it had like the little ring to pull out instead of just. I guess like you just grab around the lip parts like you, a normal one would. Yeah, I mean, I played with a bunch of different mouthpieces, and everybody's got their own thing, and. You know, maybe that's the style he wanted, but it was kind of silly. Yeah. And it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't look. It doesn't no. look right. He doesn't look like a pro NFL player uh, with that kind of a of, of a 
mouthpiece in. But then, I mean, the guy had blue hair. Maybe that's uh, our lucky token there today. Well, that's a slippery slope because I like people expressing themselves and being who they are. Um, so, I mean, I like that. And whether it's the mouthpiece or the hair. And so if I saw him out, I thought, it looks really cool. But also, I don't know. I don't want to tread because I could be totally off base here. And I could think differently in an hour about this. But, I mean, I, I don't care. I want to be ready. Like, if I were a Seattle fan, I think I'd be like, you know, is it a track? I mean, not really because I don't even want to say that. People should express themselves. But do you guys get what I'm saying? It's like, I just want it all football. Right. I want your entire focus football. That when I'm working from Monday nine to five, Monday to Friday, they get they get all that time. Well, and I don't know. I I feel like a jerk even saying that, but I'm just saying like he uh, was a bit of a distraction to his own self in a way. He is, and you know what's funny? Like you know, I always played um, you know with the mantra of if you look good, you feel good, you play good. And obviously, when somebody uh, like a star power like DK Metcalf. Um, you know, he wants to play well. He wants to look good. He's on national TV. You know, the afternoon slate of games, which I mean, they normally are um, being out West. But when you're thinking of something like that, like your mouthpiece, you're obviously not focusing on the game entirely. You've got your, your, you know, your focus and concentration split. You're worried about if your if your chain is showing, you're worried about whatever it might be. Because if you're going to take the effort to customize a mouthpiece to look like a baby pacifier, you're not 100% focused on the game. I don't care what you say. I mean, that's my take on it. I mean, I used to wear, like, you know, specific elbow pads, and I'd tape my wrists, and I'd tape certain parts of my fingers and all sorts of stuff. And, yeah, I mean, I wore different mouthpieces because I thought they were cool-looking, but I wasn't an NFL prospect. I wasn't even a, a D1 prospect. You know, there are those kinds of things where they separate our, uh, separate um you know, classes of athletes. So that's just a thought. I mean, he wants to express himself with the hair. That's cool. I don't think he was doing that before the game, you know, for this game specifically. Maybe he dyed his hair a couple weeks ago. I don't know what it was last week. But, um, yeah, the pacifier mouthpiece, it's a little bit much for me. Well, Landon, uh, and I want us to move on, but uh, when you're winning, it's all kind of cutesy, right? And it adds to your brand. And when you're losing, it just looks like shenanigans. Taylor Lewan, it, that's a big problem I have with him. The goofiness and the little mm-hmm. thing that he tries to be all, uh, you know, a little broy or whatever. Well, that's fine when we're 13 and 3. But uh, if you can't stay on the field because you're injured all the time, uh, chugging beers at hockey games and all that, it just looks kind of sophomoric. And I, I think they need to do whatever they want to. Who cares? And I understand what I sound like. But in another way, it's the loss that really makes that look kind of like uh, kind of goofy, right, Liam? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the age-old mantra of winning cures all disagreements or whatever. Just when you win, you're you're a winner and no one cares. When you lose, every little personality quirk and personal thing gets put under the microscope because you didn't win. Oh, yeah. I think that's exactly what it is, and we'll see. Um, guys, we get to play the Colts. At home, Sunday, and suddenly <laughs> all is forgiven, and I'm pumped. John, we're going to see a really big time fan reaction to this awesome win. We're going to see a, a we're going to see a really fun Nissan Stadium Sunday, right? Oh yeah, I mean, you know, considering how amped up we were before the Cardinals game, <laughs> before the Cardinals game, and coming off of this kind of a win um, against what I think is going to be the best division in football, the NFC West. Um, 
it's going to be crazy in Nissan Stadium. Um, you know, fans are going to be really, really hyped, especially because they know Carson Wentz is a very vulnerable quarterback. If he's even going to play, I, I saw he did get injured today. Um, obviously, for our sake, I hope he's okay. And you know, we I don't we don't like to wish injuries on anybody. Um, so I hope Never. that he's okay. But um, you know, he I, I was watching that game today, and he is very flawed. <laughs> he is not the guy yeah. that we saw come in as a rookie no. and light up the, the NFL. He made one of the ugliest throwaway interceptions I think I've ever seen in my life. And um, just the, the his decision-making is not there. Yeah, and I don't like to root against people, but I, Landon, clearly the Colts did not have an NFL Sunday ticket last year because, I mean, <laughs> we, we saw this, unfortunately, in Philly. That's true, but also they didn't really surround him with the talent he had in that magical 2017 run to really replicate the circumstances. Like, yeah, their offensive line is really good, but they didn't invest anything at receiver, which even when T.Y. Hilton was healthy, was looking really suspect, and T.Y. Hilton's out, so it's Michael Pittman, Zach Paschal, Jack Doyle, and then they're relying on Hines and Jonathan Taylor to bolster. That's a really bad receiving core for the modern NFL, and especially for a quarterback that can't elevate his surrounding his surrounding talent and right. depends on it. Mm-hmm. And Hilton is, is going to be out next week, so that's one less tie-in killer we have to worry about. <laughs> Guys, let's talk about our offensive line. Um, Taylor Lewan went out of this game. Uh, we'll be curious to see what happens from there. Just like last year, though, a lot of little-known guys came in Boy, when uh, when Bobby Wagner came through untouched and and hit Ugh. Tannehill that hard, I mean, I thought we're, there's just no way that was on just a, a t- that was on one of the tight ends, I think. But I get your point. But either way, I mean, mm-hmm. you got to know who where Bobby Wag where 54 is on the field. Yeah, we went from that to winning this game. Sombrero. I mean, these guys they come in, they fight. Um, I didn't think that would hold up an entire year. It did last year. Uh, we will see Lawan again. It doesn't seem serious, but isn't it amazing we did this without Lawan? <laughs> you know, you always bring up the point he makes a million dollars a game, and when we do this kind of stuff without him, it's like, what are we doing? I mean, you know, do we need it? And then, I don't, I, yeah. I mean, it's just an anomaly to me because, you know, there is no denying that at one point he was the best left tackle in the league, and he played at that level. But we haven't seen that level for such a long time, and we're still winning. Well, I'm moving forward, Landon. I mean, is that <clears throat> is this sustainable? This offensive line, as it is, no, not unless we bring in reinforcements for the interior or Saffold gets healthy. Because I think he was banged up a bit last week too. But Aaron Brewer was really bad. The rest of the offensive line held it together. Tannehill and Henry made it work, but he had one or two penalties. He got bull rushed several times. Run plays got blown up, but. For a full season, Aaron Brewer on the interior offensive line cannot work out. So hopefully Saffold's injury isn't serious for long term. But I I think Sam Brelo can work out, but I don't think Questenberry can work out long term. But if Derrick Henry, if the offensive line stays roughly the same as it was today and Derrick Henry rushes for 2,000 yards, has another Derrick Henry year, I don't care what quarterback has flashy passing stats. He deserves MVP consideration because our offensive line is not good. Like You can look at the stats and say, well, Tannehill threw for a bunch of yards and Henry ran for a ton, but you look at the individual players, you look at the individual reps, this is not a good offensive line. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think something that we're looking at too is 
outside of Bobby Wagner, the Seahawks don't have that guy. They don't. I mean, if you want to talk about Robert Kimdichie being a nutcase, I don't know. But he, he doesn't have it for me. But, you know, that is not the Cardinals that we saw last week. It is not the Steelers like we're going to see later in the season. It's not Aaron Donald like we're going to see later in the yeah, season. That's, why, not, I mentioned, yeah, yeah, that's right. why I mentioned Brewer, because if Aaron Brewer is starting against the Rams, they're just going to throw Aaron Donald at him every time. Well, oh, nobody yeah. can really handle him anyways. And to Brewer's point, and you're, you're probably right, we don't look at our offensive line as a strength, but I look at Brewer – and all that crew down there, and I, I admire them greatly. They play, they fight. So it's not a, an insult. I know you're not insulting them individually. I mean, they sure. play, played well. I mean, they did more than you could ask them for, but just like as a group, I mean, it is a concern. So I, I know we all three feel that way. I mean, I look at Brewer, and we couldn't have won the game without him. I mean, he gave everything that he had. You're right. I mean, but – at the end of the day, it does worry you because down the road for where you want to get, I mean, you don't have to mention too many names. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. And, you know, for what it's worth in the Cardinals, not the Cardinals, the Colts and um, the Rams game earlier, Quentin Nelson was holding his own with against Donald for a bit, but then Donald did Donald things. and Man, he's a freak. Yeah, he's just – he's on another level. He's just not like he's so big. He's just so strong and so – his feet just move so fast. He just makes everybody look so bad. I mean, he's – he's. I mean, he's really something. Just talk about all-time greats. Uh, guys, for me, um, the Colts 0-2, both games at home. They come on the road. Um, what happened to Seattle today, what we did to Seattle, Indy could easily do to us on Sunday, right? I mean, surely everybody – uh, in that building is going to know that. I'm going to be afraid of that. Yeah, the chips are down, but they, they, they have to come in and win this game, right? They, they have to. Otherwise, they're, you know, they're they're definitely out of it. I mean, it's it's so early to say that, but zero and three. I mean, I, they played two NFC West opponents too, so technically they haven't had an in division loss. Um, right. So they're never they aren't really out of it after week three, but you can't feel good. <laughs> well, I mean, they just have to have it. They have to feel like they have to have it to be 0-3. And that, I mean, things happen. But Landon, I mean, they're. I guess I say all that to say they'll be ready Sunday, right? Yep. They'll show up because divisional games always have that extra have that extra energy to it. And they'll definitely be the underdogs. Depending on Carson Wentz, they could be big underdogs like we were today. Like we were six-point underdogs. Could see something similar. To go on the road to division rival and... They've ruined so many home games for us over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. A lot of those players will want to do it again. Yeah. But just, just not to spoil too much of our Colts preview, but I was looking at their past two games. Chris Carson ran 16 for 91 yards, so five and a half. Daryl Henderson and Sonny Michelle ran for 4.1 and 4.6 per carry on their run defense, which was their strength last year. So the run defense has regressed some, even though they played some elite offenses. And if Derrick Henry can get into gear... I think for once we're going to have a really fun home game against the Colts. Oh, please. Please, yeah. <laughs> Do not spoil that. We, we've got Derry coming into town. Oh, I mean, Derry. Yeah. The, 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 the cards are dealt. I mean, like, this could be epic. It's going to be amazing. I'm really excited. Uh, well, what an effort today. And you just never know about this game. Hey, it's so fun. Nathan, do they sell hot chocolate in September? That's all I want to well, know, buddy. <laughs> we may have to bring our own packet, but we'll, we'll have to do what we have to do. Uh, guys, real quickly before we get out of here, this was a huge surprise. Uh, um, you know, what we were able to do up in Seattle, what else really surprised you in the NFL today? Um, I think something that, well, 
I might have just been drinking the Kool-Aid, but Philly losing to San Francisco 17-11. to I thought they were going to do a lot more than that. Um, that was something that I thought was impressive. Also, the Raiders topping the Steelers in Pittsburgh. That was pretty <laughs> wild. And I, you know me, I love that. <laughs> the Raiders come out hot. I mean, they come out doing well. We'll see how they can do the season, Landon, but... Uh, San Francisco is the king of ugly winning. But uh, Landon, what what was your big surprise today? I also had the Raiders because I had that game on my TV with Reds on the side. Just the Raiders look really complete, and Derek Carr is might be the MVP through the first two weeks, given the quality of team he's faced. But Texans Browns, the Browns won by ten, but Tyrod Taylor was really killing them through the first half. He might he won't be healthy for Thursday night football, but. Long term, like the Texans were supposed to be unequivocally the worst team in the NFL, the worst ta- the worst talent. They could be one of the worst teams of our lifetime. And they looked really good. If Tyrod Taylor doesn't get hurt, I think they're 2-0, and and they would have beaten the Browns on the road. Oh, that would have been amazing. Yeah, but he did get hurt, and now they're not, yeah. you know, looking at the kid they yeah. drafted out of uh, Stanford. So Yeah, we'll see how and that just, goes. This week was just terrible for injuries, just both in quantity yeah. and the level of player that got hurt. Not all of them are season-ending. I know Brandon Graham for the Eagles is done for the year, yeah. but and a lot, a lot of it's TVD. But just so many guys were getting hurt. Yep. Some of them on meaningless plays, like Deontay Johnson, with seconds left in the game, looks like he hurt his knee. Just a really bad week for injuries. We didn't escape unscathed. Just hope it's not too serious across the board. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, even our own team, like. Luan getting injured before the game that was a fluke and I mean yeah <laughs> I mean I watched it it didn't look bad and he was walking fine on the sideline but that was that knee that he the ACL that he tore so right. I'm terrified that it's you know something bad and again I say terrified lightly because we can do well without him obviously so it's really just crazy you know the not for long league anything can happen um, fellas, do you have anything else? I don't. I need. I need a cigarette. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I of course was watching NFL Red Zone, Landon's favorite thing in the world, because we had an afternoon game. Sat down and watched it. A few minutes in, it locks up for like <laughs> wow. a minute or two, My and I stops. thought, and I thought, man, there's trouble brewing in Knoxville. I knew Landon. Landon, that was before you sent us a text like, oh. Red zone is <laughs> red zone yeah. is frozen. I had, I had I to like, find the uh, I had to find the Siciliano version, and it was yeah. so bad for like the ten minutes bad. I had to do it. And I was just re- constantly refreshing the Hanson version until it went back on. <laughs> yeah, weirdly they have two versions, and the NFL Sunday Ticket version is the guy with the really big ears that called me Bama Banks. And you know it's a tough job, but he is not good. And the Hanson guy yeah. that does it um, like you can get it on Sling or whatever that if you have like. Kind of like Bob Costas at the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It landed. I knew there was panic uh, on UT's campus when that was out. Luckily, it wasn't long. But that just cracked me up. He was like, ah. All right, guys. Uh, I appreciate everybody joining us. Uh, follow us. Uh, we're going to obviously uh, give you a preview for the Colts. Hope everybody can make it down Sunday. If you're a Titans fan, I know you're feeling sublime. So... <laughs> Yeah, sleep uh, easy tonight, Titans just, Nation. Uh, isn't it great? Uh, when, when, when you're down, they pull you back in, and that was <laughs> incredible. As bad as Sunday was last Sunday, this was ten times better. So for Big Fella and Landon, I'm Nathan. Tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.